When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. Where are you, Auburn fans? Welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with Ben King to preview the LSU game. It's going to be down there in Baton Rouge in Tiger Stadium. Auburn is not favored. I mean, that's not shocking, but it is against <laughs> a, a very tough LSU team. I mean, I'm I'm not super scared, but I'm scared a little bit just with how much LSU is able to move the ball. Um, ben, how are you doing? How are you feeling about this game at this moment uh, as we head down into, I mean, Tiger Country down there in Baton Rouge? So this is our third game in a row after that brutal Florida game where should have won but didn't. That's okay because I think this past game we were able to, you know, go down to Fayette Vegas where we basically own town, collect our taxes, and then get back on the road again <laughs> to now travel to a a stadium and location that has eluded a victory for Auburn in the past two decades. Crazy. This past century. Yeah. Haven't haven't had a win there in the 21st. So, it's going to be a big one and while LSU has had a very dominant offensive attack this year, they have not faced a defense like was what Auburn is bringing to Tiger Stadium to Death Valley. Yeah. And so I don't expect their offense to be as robust as they have been. I mean, if Mississippi State can, you know, take down your quarterback by grabbing your pants and just watch out for, you know, Mr. Coppertone, Derek Brown, and Marlon Davidson's on the task. So, <laughs> I could I could see both of them not not stopping where the other guy did. <laughs> like, I mean, man, watch out, T- tie them tight, or they're going to be around your ankles. And then we're going to get TV blurs and blackouts because you can't show that stuff on TV, buddy. CBS better put in a <laughs> delay just in case. Yep. Uh, Ed, I mean, both of those guys are so hungry and ready to to eat up on. Uh, the other Tigers uh, in the conference. So um, SEC Nation is going down to Baton Rouge. We didn't get uh, college game day. It's kind of unfortunate considering this is a top 10 matchup. Uh, but, I mean, SEC Nation's, uh, I think it's like the third time they've covered an Auburn game this season, maybe more, at least three that I can think of. Um, but we thought it was kind of interesting. Where are college game days going? You know, uh, the song is... We're coming to your city. <laughs> and I didn't realize there were cities in the Dakotas, but apparently they also play football there. Yeah. And for whatever reason, uh, the 1AA, former 1AA, whatever they are now, Championship League or whatever it is for football that doesn't matter, is getting yeah. college game day. It's so, so it strange. is the, the South Dakota Jackrabbits versus the North Dakota 
Is it like Bucks or something like that? Something like that. I don't know. Who cares? But yeah. that's where they're going to be. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. I I want to see Lee Corso put on a uh, a Jackrabbit hat or something like that. Hey, that'd be pretty awesome. I mean, it's something new. I get it. Um, I could see this being real interesting with them going up there. Uh, I mean, Auburn is, is another top 10 matchup for us. Uh, this will be the second of, of the season so far and the fourth top 20 matchup uh, this season. I mean, we, we've had a rough go, but we already have six wins, and that gives me at least some confidence in this game, uh, despite Death Valley just being what Death Valley is. Uh, and that's very scary, especially considering this year LSU is allowing alcohol sales in their stadium. and Making that money. Yeah, it's kind of scary. I mean, like, 2.30 kickoff, I mean, I'd rather take a 2.30 kickoff than a 6.30 or 7 or 8 o'clock kickoff, whatever it would be, because that that would be even worse for Auburn. I could see that game almost being a blowout just with how electric a evening game uh, could be uh, for LSU. But, I mean, I give us a good fighting chance with this one. Um, the, the scary part is obviously LSU's offense and how they just exploit defenses with their past game uh it seems like they're a pretty legit team uh, as far as passing goes um i'm not scared with them with running i mean we we can stop pretty much any team uh that runs the ball uh we've proven that already this season this season um ben how do we end up slowing lsu's offense uh in this game because we have to we can't i, I feel like our team isn't built at least not right now uh, just seven games into the season to be in a shoot off or shoot out. Uh, how do we slow them down? Yeah, we're gonna have to play a lot of DBs. Uh, we're gonna have to play bump and run with the wide receivers. We're gonna have to not be afraid to get that pass interference call when they go for the big play hmm. because this offense is very explosive. And like when we saw them play Florida, a lot of their drives were between two and six plays. And they were scoring mm-hmm. touchdowns, whereas Florida took them, you know, 12 to 18. Yeah. And so while I'm not worried about our offense having any trouble scoring against LSU's defense, because this LSU defense allowed 38 points by a Vanderbilt team, they are still going to be very aggressive when it comes to their offensive scheme. And they're going to come after our guys in the secondary pretty hard. And so we're going to have to, one, get pressure on the quarterback. And two, you know, Coppertone boy Joe Burrow is also fairly good at running, too. So we're going to have to somehow cover him while getting pressure, stopping the run, and staying right up with the guys in the secondary willing to, you know, battle for the ball every single down because most likely they're just going to pass against us. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to – I mean, they know our secondary is our weakness. And with our secondary being a weakness – they're uh, they're gonna exploit that even more and that, that kind of scares me a little bit um but also knowing i think our secondary is capable of at least for the most part eliminating a lot of big plays i, I think it's going to be a tall order to ask to uh, say lsu can't have any big plays they're probably going to get a few of them um and it's just containing the big plays and making them you know a big play but not a touchdown uh, and that's where, I mean, even Mississippi State last week, while LSU had their big plays, there were times where LSU struggled in the red zone. Uh, and guess what Auburn's really good at? Stopping teams once they get to the red zone. Um, 
So, I mean, it gives us a, a leg up um, in red zone to, to get them. If we can stop them in the red zone, I mean, right now we're 12th ranked uh, red zone defense in the nation. Uh, to be able to stop teams is like, that's what we do um, when they get to the red zone. So I think that that continues um, and gives me a little bit of hope that our defense can stop them as long as they don't have the huge 70 plus yard run uh, or pass that uh, I know LSU is probably capable of. Uh, what do you think about Joe Burrows? I mean, right now he's uh, completing almost 80% of his passes. Gosh. Uh, he has 2,500 yards already. He broke already. And this is kind of showing how bad LSU's pass game in every other season has been. But he's already broken the single season record for passing touchdowns with 29 touchdowns, only through seven games. I mean, how how do you uh, kind of bottle up Joe Burrows this game? I mean, it was all about the change at offensive coordinator and bringing in a new scheme for him. He did not fit well in the under center position that they were running last year where they would just pound the ball. Yeah. And now that they've opened up that pass game, they really don't need to run it. Uh, I don't know what their stats are as far as rushing, but their stats in passing are so astronomically high, it can't be much. Yeah. And so they just rely on utilizing their big receivers and their quarterback to move the ball down the field, and a lot of those are in big plays. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, Joe Burrow's been impressive. Look, he's right up there in, like, the Heisman race when it comes to quarterbacks that, you know, put their name on the board. He's definitely done that. Uh once again, though, when you look at the defenses he's faced, it's been, you know, mediocre at best. Mm-hmm. So the the hardest defense they played was Florida. And look, Florida's defense is not that great. So they intercepted us three times, but that was because of, one, the situation, and two, the play calling. And I think that it's going to be a completely different game come Saturday. And you got to talk about with a guy like Bo now going through a very hostile environment in Gainesville, Florida the Florida game from going from that to now going to another hostile environment in Baton Rouge and Tiger stadium. There's, there's going to be, I think things that he doesn't get shaken with in this LSU game that he did with the Florida game. And he did so a lot. So that, that I, I think we can, we can really move the ball and do it so efficiently because LSU's defense isn't all that impressive. Um, I mean, I think down on paper, they look pretty similar. I mean, just to give you some numbers, LSU's pass, uh, a lot yards that they've allowed, uh, with passing are just about the same as Auburn's. It's about like 15, uh, yards difference. And then the same thing with rush defense. It's only one yard difference. They're keeping teams under hundred yards. So, I mean, both of those, I think down on paper, it seemed very similar, but at the same time, I'm thinking, Auburn's got a when we we've got our offense and potent and I think Gus at least last game tweaked some things mid-season and said all right this is what we're doing well I mean he had two weeks he had a bye week too to figure out what are we doing well and then use those for the remaining six games of the regular season um so I have a good feeling that our offense can move the ball um I just again hope we don't get into a shoot off uh with LSU or shoot out with LSU it just won't won't happen um do you do you have like a number of of points that you think that auburn's defense needs to hold lsu to um in order for us to win the game because it seems like lsu i mean they they just put a ton of points up on the board and 
I mean, they can easily get up to 40 plus. How do we stop them? And like, what, like, where is that? Or what is that point number that you think that we, we need to stop them at? I'm thinking if Andy can score 38 on LSU, then we can score 38 on LSU. Hmm. So I'm going to say keep them under 38 and we got this. All right. Look, I know that's a shootout. Yeah, that's more of a shootout. It's it's likely to happen. Yeah. However, I think that our defense is going to be stronger than you know anything that LSU has seen. So it it could be a dominant performance from our end, which no one's expecting, but it's highly possible. Absolutely. We just have to call the right plays in the right situations. Yeah. And one thing we talked about it last week was Gus uh, verbally and out in the public recognizing some of his play calling mistakes. Um, and for at least a fan, that's kind of nice to hear that. Um, but it, you know, it's going on a lot more, even behind the scenes where he's acknowledging his faults, uh, in play calling and saying, you know what, that was a dumb play. I shouldn't have called that in that situation. And I, he's learning from his mistakes. Um, he's again, remember he was out of play calling up until this year for like what, two or three years. Uh, so mm-hmm. I mean, he d- didn't have his hand in the play calling every single down, every single play like he used to. So he's still kind of, I mean, he's obviously a lot better um, this point in the season than he was even at the beginning, but like it, it's coming back to him. Um, so I give him some, a little bit of grace there, but I mean, obviously we want him to call every single play correctly. And that just doesn't happen even with the greatest minds uh, in football. Um all right, let's talk about the LSU secondary because the LSU defense, I think we can uh, really, uh, I think we can move the ball on them. Uh, but the thing that honestly kind of scares me, and it's kind of like the Florida secondary. Florida's secondary was, they were, they were ferocious. They were getting to, to the ball and getting interceptions. Uh, LSU has a, and they're known for this, a very strong secondary. Uh, they're known for getting interceptions, for causing uh, just having lots of physical contact with wide receivers. Um, and so far this season, through seven games, LSU has eight interceptions. Um, a couple of guys, just to uh, keep in mind, just for a couple of guys, you're probably going to hear him a lot. Uh, so Derek Stingley, he's a cornerback for LSU. Uh, he already has three interceptions um, this season. Uh, they've got also got a safety, uh, Jacoby Stevens. You're probably going to hear both of their names with tackles. Um, hopefully not an interception, um, but Jacoby also has a couple interceptions. So between both of those guys, their secondary uh, is ready. Is and I'm sure they're licking their chops, ready for Bo Nix to come to Death Valley, just being a true freshman. Um, but at the same time, I, I feel confident in, at least at this point, that Gus, uh, he saw what he did. He probably opened things up, too many options for Bo Nix to do while he was in Florida and now he's he's kind of you know finding ways to kind of keep that under wraps and kind of keep it a little simple especially in a hostile situation for Bo Nix so I'm hoping he continues uh, with that mindset with this game and doesn't throw him into uh just uh the the wolves per se so yep um how do you see us as far as our offensive scheme going for this game? What what do you see working potentially for the, against this LSU team? You know, LSU has been pretty good at stopping the run this year, but I expect us to still rely heavily on the run to get our offense going. Yeah. And then I really hope that after this past week, 
were able to still connect on some of those easy passes. We had a couple slants here and there that would work well just yeah. to get the rhythm for Bo Nix. And then some of those big plays, we're going to have to connect on those in order mm-hmm. to be victorious in this game. So hopefully it was dial those up at the right time. Yeah, I think those are some good keys um, to victory. Um, I'm also going to say that, like we've seen in the last couple weeks, teams that get consistent long drives against LSU and keep LSU off the field tend mm-hmm. to do, like at least keep themselves in the game longer. Um, so if we can string some good drives together, uh, I think that would be the way to, to get this victory. Um, and then I've mentioned it before, but limiting LSU's big plays, uh, is going to be a key to victory. They're, they're going to have them, but limit the number of big plays that they're going to have. Um, so I think between both of those, I think we probably have a pretty decent way of, of winning this game. Um, Something else, I mean, we haven't even really talked about, but Joe Burrows, and he's going to be a good quarterback, but you kind of saw it if you watch the Mississippi State game where they got to him early, they hit him, he looked a little bit frazzled, uh, wasn't 100% like we've seen before. Uh, and I think getting to him early, um, very similarly to how we did against Arkansas, would be very big. Uh, getting in his mind from the very first drive would be amazing. You think we can crack Joe Burrow's confidence? Oh, that's a good one, Ben. He's, he's going to be, I hope so. he's going to be the butt of all the jokes after this game. <laughs> I hope so. I hope we expose his behind. <laughs> Little copper tone boy. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we can really do some things on, on Joe Burrow's not, like to show what we can do against a guy that's very high powered. Um, I think our secondary is ready for that. Um, and I mean, this is, this is a game to prove that our secondary is legit. Um, and, and they're going to be keeping that in the back of their minds for this whole week, preparing for them. Uh, let's talk about our players to watch for this game. Uh, let's go offense, defense, and then special teams. Um, who do you got Ben for offense? On the offensive side of the ball, I'm saying Harold Joyner. Okay. I think after this past week, showing what he can do with the ball in his hands, Gus Malzahn looks at the tape, he gets his data aligned, okay. and he puts Harold Joyner at one of the top premier spots to carry the ball. Okay. And Harold Joyner, with one, his size, and two, his agility, is able to thread the needle in a lot of these runs, you know, get between the lines and really expose something that LSU has not been able to give up here in the past few games and actually, you know, open up a can when it comes to running the ball. Yeah. That'd be a good one to see that. And and we haven't really used him in the run game really until I guess last, that last week, at least in this significant kind of way. Um, So I think that, that, I mean, he's a big guy. He's what six, four, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, So use him in the absence of, of Bowie Whitlow, I think this could be a, a good game for him to get some some good yards. Um, I'm going to kind of go along that same vein. I want to see how DJ Williams does in a premier-type game. Uh, we threw him in, I think, closer to like the second quarter, third quarter, kind of let him do his thing a little bit later in the game uh, against Arkansas. But I think we need to do – like he's going to have to be there a little bit earlier um, in the run game. Uh, and really have more of a uh, probably like a 15 type 
carry like 15 carries in a game uh, is what I'm kind of foreseeing out of him. Um, unless Gus sees something differently um, and doesn't want to give him that many carries. Uh, but I think he could be a big key to this. Um, and then an honorable mention. I mean, I've mentioned it, but uh, Bo Nix, you got to keep an eye on him, see how he handles the pressure down there in Death Valley. Oh, you're going to give two? Then it's an honorable mention. My honorable mention your... is Seth Williams. Because right? <laughs> Bo Seth is going to be big. Yeah, true. Look, we're going to have to roll out all the stops in this game to be successful. We will. We will. But I think the fact that both of us picked the running game and the one-two punch that I think is going to be the most advantageous look when it comes to the running back game, hopefully Gus will tune in and hear our thoughts because we are so knowledgeable about the game of football. <laughs> And that will hopefully sway his opinion when it comes to who carries the ball. I mean, it's not my job, but I mean, it's my opinion. So. <laughs> there you go, Gus. Take it. Yep. One-two punch. That'd the Jordan awesome. Williams connection. Uh, and then for defense, uh, who are you going to be watching for Auburn? So I've got Jeremiah Denson. And the reason okay. being is when it comes to a either cornerback or safety that can really look at the ball and catch it midair. He's had his fair share of attempts and a couple interceptions so far. And when it comes to Joe Burrow facing, you know, the front seven of Auburn, I think it's going to throw him off a little bit on his game. And Jeremiah Denson is going to be the beneficiary of that. So I expect him to, you know, get at least one pick in this game and to take advantage of Joe Burrow uh, having his confidence cracked. That would be nice. And I think our secondary can get picks on him. Um, I think he's only had three interceptions the whole season. But, hey, this could be a big game where we get pressure on him and he makes merit throws. Um, and so I guess that kind of leads me into my my person who I think on defense I think we need uh, is going to be Marlon Davidson again. Um, he seems to be getting to the quarterback and getting there in time uh, more than he was last year. And that's, that's an improvement uh, that – in the off season, I know we were really looking forward to, um, and even Marlon Davidson said, Hey, there were like eight missed sacks that he could have had. He was just right there. Uh, and so I think guys like him can, uh, continue to do what they're doing and get to the uh, quarterback, um, and then potentially have the quarterback pass the ball away and, uh, get an interception, uh, for special teams. Who are you going to be watching? Uh, I'm going to say Aaron Sippus. Okay. The kicker from down under. You think we're going to be punting the ball then a lot? I'm not going to say a lot, but when we do, we're going to need him to boot it high and boot it long. Yeah, true. And change the field. Because when you're playing on the road, it's going to be a game of inches, and if it is a shootout, that's going to really matter. Yeah. So I don't expect to have to use him much, but when we do, we need him to be on point. Yeah, absolutely. I think there, I mean, there will be a few punts in there, and if we can get them to flip the or get Aaron to flip the field for us, uh, that'd be pretty big and make LSU drive down the field uh, instead of having a shorter field. Um, I'm gonna keep an eye because I mean, if it does get into a shootout, um, I I I could honestly see it almost going down to us getting a couple field goals at the end. I mean, Anders, uh, I mean, I. I want him to be solid. Like who was it? It was uh, which game was that where we won by field goals alone? But it was against LSU. I think it was uh, it was a Daniel Carlson, but I can't remember which year it was. It was like 2017 or something. 20- yeah, the six kicks. 16 or something. 
And that was just incredible. It was probably 20. Yeah, it had to be 2016 for that. And I mean, that I don't want it to happen like that. And it's not going to happen <laughs> yep. where we have that many kicks. But um, I mean, he's he's got to be a guy I'm going to be watching. Most likely going to take more than six kicks to win this game. Yeah. Oh, for sure. If uh, somehow miraculously that could win it, I, I, I'm I pretty sure LSU has gotten like four of their key offensive players injured out for the game. <laughs> like, uh, even even then, I still think they'd probably put a ton of points on the board. Yeah, we could just force, you know, seven fumbles or something like that. Yeah. It's possible. And our, our defense is uh, showing that they can cause turnovers. Uh, and then as far as predictions for this game, uh, preseason, you had us winning by three points. I also had us winning by three points. Just knowing that this game is potentially one that, uh, I mean, it both teams are high-powered, and, I mean, it's probably going to come down to whoever has the ball last if we're still in the game at the end of the game, and I think we have the capability to do so uh, as long as uh, Gus plays his cards wisely, uh, Bo doesn't make too many mistakes, uh, and our defense is able to do what I honestly think they're able to do. So, mm-hmm. Ben, are you staying with that uh, prediction that you had preseason of us winning by three? Or are you uh, going to change that up? No, I'm sticking with it. I feel like every single year, no matter how much I hate it, the LSU game, the Tiger Bowl is just a back-and-forth crazy mess. I think this one, more than most, will be very, very close. And I don't really see either team running away with it. Yeah, if I do I see a team not. running away with it, I feel like it'll be us. So that's good. But I expect this to come down to the wire. And much like you said, you know, on my end, a game of inches, and on your end, a game of who can make the last score, potentially a field goal. So mm-hmm. I think three points is, you know, more than likely what it's going to come down to. Yeah, yeah. And this is one, honestly, coming off the Florida week, I was starting to sway my opinion of us being able to beat LSU uh just because that was also I think during our bye week was the uh Florida versus LSU game and I was I was thinking man if Florida can't even beat LSU and LSU I mean we don't really stand too much of a chance and and it's still gonna be tough like there's there's no doubt about it um but I still think there's a chance and just the barner in me and my gut is telling me I think we can win and if we do win, uh, then we can win by three points. So I, I'm going to stick with my prediction as well. Uh, as far as let's change topics a little bit. So the the SEC, how the SEC did this past week. Um, this is our segment called uh, an Auburn fan perspective on the SEC. Uh, it's where we put our orange and blue glasses on, uh, look around the SEC, uh, see what's going on and how Auburn fits into all of this. Uh what did you see uh, out of the SEC this past week? Uh, you know, it was it was weird for a bit. There were a couple games that I expected to be huge blowouts, much like the Alabama-Tennessee game, where really going into almost halftime, uh, I guess it was midway through the second quarter, it was still a really tight game. Like, Tennessee yeah. came to play for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And then Alabama just took over. But one crazy thing on that is Tua's out. So that that makes a big difference when it comes to Alabama's strength. Uh, their backup did not look amazing. And, you know, they only beat Tennessee 35-13. to 13. So yeah. 
this is a Tennessee team that, you know, has looked really, really bad most of the season. And taking out two is a big thing. So that that was weird. What about you? What was yeah, a, a big it, game that you noticed? I mean, the biggest one that stood out to me was Vandy beating Missouri. Uh, that was not what I was expecting. Uh, and, and especially since we were kind of talking about how Missouri last week, we were thinking, wow, actually Missouri's leading the SEC East and they could potentially win the SEC East, uh, even though I don't think of them as a powerhouse in the East. I mean, they could have yeah, for sure. And, and I think they could still hypothetically do it, but the road ahead is uh, what they've got. So Florida and Georgia, I think. Um, so, I mean, the odds of that are pretty slim at this point. Yeah. Uh, nah, poor Mizzou. They, they probably won't have a, uh, a bid to the SEC title game now. <laughs> Yeah, I Come mean, on. that's their only Vanderbilt. postseason hopes. I guess if you can still hypothetically, uh, like, they can't, they're a postseason band, but I, I don't know if, like, an SEC championship, if that counts. Or, I don't I don't know how that works. Um, yeah. Did you see the Commodores head coach after that game? He was he, so he emotional, was, right? He was fired up. Yeah. Like, that's... Yeah, I loved it. That's why Vandy won that game, because I'm yeah. sure his players are willing to run through a brick wall for that man. Yeah, and that's really cool. I mean, I think even like he was saying that their their team's kind of been you know discounted. It's hey, you're you're just Vandy, whatever. You can't beat the the people that you need to. Um, and he's probably on the hot seat. And now, I mean, just beating Missouri. I mean, that might have solidified him for this another year. I don't know, but um, I mean that that's possible. Um. Another game that I ended up looking at and watching actually most of it was uh, the Georgia game against Kentucky. Uh, that was weird because it was raining, but it wasn't like a terrible rain. Uh, but that prevented at least uh, mo- both teams not passing the ball a lot. Um, and not that Georgia passes the ball a lot. Neither does Kentucky, especially with their third string wide receiver that's turned quarterback. But uh, at least I was expecting a little bit more uh, like firepower, at least from UGA on their run game, and there was just nothing, absolutely nothing. I mean, it literally took them 38 minutes before either team scored. Um, it's just, it was weird. Uh, I was yeah. just watching the game and thinking it's halftime. Nobody's really even gotten that close to scoring. What is happening? I was intrigued to see how UGA would bounce back after a loss to South Carolina, and it took yeah. them over a half to actually score a point. Yeah, and I thought that was you nuts. could tell. I, I think you could tell that they were kind of like hungover from all of the effort that they uh, probably had to put into the end of that South Carolina game, just to hopefully come back. And then what? What just happened? Like we now we're in another game, and Kentucky's holding us to zero points. <laughs> this is weird. Um, I'm mentioning South Carolina. I mean, Florida even they they struggled a little bit against uh, South Carolina this past week. Um, it really wasn't even until like, I honestly thought South Carolina had a chance. Um, and it wasn't until the fourth quarter when Florida really took over and scored a couple really quick touchdowns and ended up winning that game by 11 points. But yeah, up until that point, I thought South Carolina could have won it. Well, we got to touch on some sec officiating here too, because okay. on the, one of the touchdown passes from Florida, one of their offensive linemen moved prior to the snap, which should have mm. been a false start, but was not yeah. called, and they scored a touchdown. Yep. 
And then they had offensive pass interference that was not called on another one of their scores. Yeah. And that's the difference in the game right there. For sure. And, and uh, Muschamp was getting after him because of yeah. that. And then he got a, a foul called on him for unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah. But it, the the ref came over to him and then ran 40 yards away and dropped the flag. And <laughs> Muschamp was pretty upset about that. He was like, you're a coward. I don't know if he said that word exactly. But like, <laughs> he, he said gutless. Drop it on my feet. <laughs> yeah. Gutless was his quote. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> I, You know what? I've always enjoyed Muschamp just on the sidelines, especially when we had him as a defensive coordinator. But the old man must champ is the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> him with his little glasses. Yeah, and he puts out like the end of his nose. <laughs> it's just, it's like this grumpy old man on the podium. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then the last one that I noticed uh, was uh, the Texas A&M being almost 24 to 17. Kind of just like, I don't, I don't know what happened there. Both of those are kind of like lower end. Uh, well, Texas A&M is more middle end SEC, but I mean, it just, I don't know. I was expecting Texas A&M to whoop up more on Ole Miss, but I don't know. Uh, there were some other ones that I noticed, and these were kind of outside the SEC, but I wanted to include them uh, because they do directly impact Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was the uh, <laughs> Illinois beating number six Wisconsin. Um, and that helped Auburn move up, uh, in the standings. Still very crazy that Illinois ended up beating number six, Wisconsin, but you know, Wisconsin shut out four teams this year and their rushing attack has been the best in the nation. And then yeah. they choke against an Illinois team. That's garbage. Yeah. I just don't understand that. Now they play Ohio state this week and I hope that they, you know, rebound from that. That'd yeah. be the perfect situation Yeah, I mean, where they, they lose can... a game like pathetically and then beat Ohio State. And in Ohio State, it's kind of touted right now as the most complete team in all of college football. Mm. And if Wisconsin can beat them, I mean that puts their name back in in the records of hey, we can still be a playoff type team with, even with one loss. Uh the other one that I noticed again directly impacts Auburn uh that's outside the SEC is Oregon. Um just because we played them early in the year but they, they were playing Washington this pe- previous week, and uh, they had a great comeback win. I think they were – it was in the third quarter. They were down by like 10 points. Um, and then it made it made a comeback and scored a couple touchdowns uh, in the third and fourth quarter. So um, that was big for them. They, they needed that win. Um, and then that probably more than likely means they're going to – I mean, probably win out and more than likely win the Pac-12. Uh, which is exciting for them and a good perception on how good of a win Auburn's was over Oregon. Yeah, I love the fact that they beat probably their toughest competition when it comes to their track to the Pac-12 championship, and yet they get dropped, (laughs) and we jump both them and UGA. Yeah. Was there any uh, other games that caught your eye over this past week? Uh, I mean, shout out to Rhett Lashley over at SMU, Southern Methodist yeah. University's seven and zero under his leadership at offensive coordinator, and he's been killing it when it comes to that team. So yeah. that's good to see. You know, once an Auburn man, always an Auburn man. So it's good to see him over there having success. Yeah, and even we were looking at uh, how his team's been doing just offensively, and the only game where they haven't scored forty points or more was their very first game where they scored thirty-seven points. So every other game they've been able to put points on the board 
Um, and I'm glad to see Rhett Lashley uh, being able to flourish uh, out on his own. Uh, so, I mean, that that was something I know Gus wanted, and that's part of the incentive like four or five years ago when that happened was, hey, go go do your own thing now. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to see he's doing well. Um, one final thing, and I think it's kind of a just side topic to end on. This is um, great. That's good. Uh, so the XFL, um, if you've heard about it, it's, uh, not a competition to the NFL. Um, it'll end up starting, uh, the Saturday or the weekend after the, uh, Super Bowl. So you'll start seeing that around February 8th. Uh, and some Auburn players got drafted, uh, for the XFL, uh, 13 of them. Uh, so a couple notables, I just wanted to pull them out. Sammy Coates, wide receiver, uh, Cameron Artis Payne, uh, as running back, uh, Trey Williams, linebacker, uh, Chris Davis. Uh, oh, pretty cool it. to see him, uh, coming back around, uh, John Franklin, the third, uh, Trevon Reed. Uh, we also had, uh, Avery young and, uh, Ryan white. So, uh, then there was a few others. Um, but I thought that was pretty neat to, to see some of the, a lot of Auburn guys get, uh, drafted for that. Um, and kind of excited to see that. Um, what's your kind of like, just like real quick before you get out of here, what are you thinking about the XFL and how, uh, that's going to work just with in the back of your mind, how, uh, AAF kind of floundered around and then ended up dying. <laughs> I don't expect this to last long and they have some of the stupidest names I've seen as far as solo <laughs> teams go, but I think this is going to be tons of fun. And I love the fact that some of our old Auburn players who we, watch during our college days are going to be on the field once again uh playing some fun football and making it to the middle big leagues maybe i don't know what do you, sure. you want to call that the nfl blitz of nfl type <laughs> pretty much play yeah and you know i just love to see you know a few of these guys once again playing some football so i'm definitely going to tune into the games where they're playing yeah one of, one of the greatest names i think and it's just kind of interesting that i saw for XFL teams, they lost Angeles Extreme. What? So dumb. An extreme? That's really weird. It's like at least some of the others are like the Memphis Maniacs. And you're like, they got like still... a picture of a maniac. I mean, like that's okay. Like I give them that. Mm. Go back to the drawing board. <laughs> there are plenty of other nicknames that are team names that you could do for this. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Very interesting. Um, ben, before we go, do you want to give them your social media so they can stay in contact with you? Yeah, you guys can find me anywhere on social media at B-E-N-K-1-N-G on Twitter Saturdays at Captain Plainsman. And then if you have any complaints, shoot them on over to TMAD34 on Twitter. And then you can find me on Twitter as well at A-J-Y-J-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?